When people around you get new things, I think it's human nature to compare and wonder, when will you be able to get that too? How long do you have to wait? But that's not what we're talking about in today's episode. Rather, we're talking about your work performance review and waiting for feedback. Work performance reviews are your time to shine. It's that time of year when you get that regular feedback, hopefully, on how well you've done, some areas you could improve, and maybe some suggested training or coaching recommendations. I've served a number of companies over the years, and as a result, have seen and been through all kinds of performance reviews. Most were in person, though some were computer-based, some via phone, usually due to my travel and being out of the office. In more than one instance, I've sat down with my immediate supervisor and was disappointed. In fact, more than disappointed, somewhat stunned and confused. In those instances, I came in with the expectation to have an open dialogue about my past year's performance and also discuss future job growth. But... I was only handed a completed copy of my performance appraisal, which was then read back to me. In those situations, I didn't have much of any time to speak or provide feedback, especially since the forms were typed up and at the end, they just wanted my signature to prove that I attended the review session. If that wasn't enough, they said, your signature just confirms you attend in this meeting not that you necessarily agree with the review. They were just checking the box, getting the task done. If you've gone through something similar, let me be the first to apologize. I know how it hurt not being able to express myself, not being able to be heard about what I thought my accomplishments were. My ending thoughts, as they asked for my signature, quickly transitioned into, It didn't matter what I might say. Albeit in agreement or disagreement about my performance appraisal because it wasn't going to be rewritten. Now, hopefully throughout the year, you've been receiving regular feedback. One common technique used to provide feedback on performance reviews is known as a praise sandwich. It gets its name because there's two slices of bread and meat or some other food in the middle. The first slice of bread is the praise or the compliment, followed by the meat of the matter, which is supposed to be the constructive criticism. This is where you're told what you've done wrong and hopefully how to correct it. Then there's the second slice, a closing comment, usually positive, which completes the sandwich. So, praise, correction, praise, or praise, problem, praise, however you want to look at it. There's always a chance that you're in a position where the feedback is limited or non-existent. That means when and if you have regular performance reviews, it might come as a shock what's shared from your supervisor or manager's point of view. You might be going into the review thinking, this year's been pretty good. I can recall several positive experiences. Only to have your faults pointed out or be called on the carpet for lack of performance. I don't want today's show title, Good Things Come to Those That Wait, to cause confusion or create a misunderstanding. No, 
we shouldn't wait until the end of the year or the time of our performance review to be surprised at what's summarized about our recent behavior. It's important to monitor your own behavior and adapt accordingly. You wouldn't want to find out there were complaints or improvement suggestions which you weren't aware of and could have had the opportunity to improve on. So that drives us to two questions. How do we self-monitor our performance at work? And number two, what is the background for today's show title? To address question number one, and as a listener mini-bonus, I'm going to share with you the process that I've used for more than 20 years to document my work performance. It's gotten strong results for me and for those that I've shared it with, so feel free to use it. Now, in full disclosure, most of my process is based on working in the office environment, such as desk job settings, but you can apply it if you work in the field, a shop, in customer service, or restaurants, for example. You just need to modify what I'll call the capture process, and I'm going to explain that. I suggest you keep a log of your accolades, your successes, and any and all constructive feedback, including any comments sent to your complaint department. No praise sandwich, just the meat, the meat of the problem. It might sound like common sense, but are you really doing this? Stop and think about it just for a moment. I'm talking to you. When's the last time you received any feedback, bad, good, or otherwise? When you received that feedback, what did you do about it and what did you do with it? If it was positive and you just absorbed it, kind of glowed in the praise, that's fine. But... Was there another action afterward, or did you just move on with your day-to-day work activities? I think this is the part many people miss, and based on my coaching experience, it's also confirmed. This is what I call the capture process, and it's critical to your success. To do this, I've created a folder on my work PC. The PC has the Windows operating system, so my folder is titled Performance Reviews, and it's located inside the famous My Documents folder. If the company you work for provides annual reviews, you can simply create and title each subfolder by the year, such as 2019, 2020, etc., or whatever frequency fits. Perhaps adding the month or time period to the folder name represents it better, such as July 2019 underscore July 2020. It just needs to be named cleanly and clearly so you can easily locate it and know what that content inside represents. The key is to place any and all things performance review related in that year's folder. Most of my performance related comments have been in the form of email, so I simply click the mouse to highlight my email press Control key and C, the copy command, and then the Control v the paste command, when I'm in that year's performance review folder. This way, my emails stay intact, and there's also a copy in a known location. There's no need to conduct a frantic search when your performance review is around the corner. Now, there are other ways you can receive feedback or recognition, such as verbally, by text message, written note, or perhaps by receipt of a physical item. Some companies provide stickers, magnets, or small trinkets to recognize the occasion. 
If that applies to you, then I suggest you take a photo and email that image to your work account. From there, follow the process already described and simply copy-paste that graphic containing email into the relevant performance folder. Oh, regarding question two, what is the background for today's show? Well, it stems from a painful point in my career, and it seems I was doing the exact opposite as today's show title suggests. In one of my job performance reviews, an improvement area noted, Craig seeks acceptance and frequent recognition for a job well done. That was painful. I apparently had the performance aspect down. That is a big win. Unfortunately, my emotional side kept coming through, apparently dominating when I reached achievements. It seems I wanted to bask in the glow of success for too long, even hinting at receiving praise, and as it turns out, it was turning off my internal customers. This ate at me, bothered me, until I realized I could use it to my benefit. It took extreme focus and discipline, and then I overcame it. I've come to very briefly celebrate the accomplishment, the compliment received, for the success of the project. And actually, I feel a sense of gratification when I place that feedback in my PC's folder for that year's performance review. The problem can occur if we stay in the moment too long, rather than enjoying the hearty single pat on the back, we miss the fact that our head might be swelling up like a balloon, almost as if to say, Look what I did. Yep, that's me. Can you envision an avatar or a big bobblehead doll with its arms lifted up over its head and fingers pointing down at the overinflated head as if to say, it's all about me. That's right. Referencing Andy Andrews' book, The Little Things, there's a subtitle, Why You Should Really Sweat the Small Stuff. Needless to say, a few points of interest caught my eye. Here's a key point. If you're worried about how you feel at times and you let your emotions get the best of you, he shared this small but powerful statement. We choose how we act, regardless of how we feel. Simply put, I was moving in the wrong direction, moving away from good customer service model. The owner of Building a Story Brand, Donald Miller, who is also an author and speaker, said, I will succeed as a business, as a brand, when I figure out and solve my customers' problems. I brought that up because each of us can use and apply that little tip. We can think of ourselves as being a mini-business and serving customers daily. This works, by the way, in your personal lives as well as your professional in fact, many businesses that have a true customer service mindset ask their employees to think and act like an entrepreneur. Meaning, what would you do if you owned the business? It's intended to get employees to think about the multitude of ways to improve, from spending, to waste control, to communication improvements, even growth. If you want to know more about today's topic, go back and listen to episode 21 titled Leveling Up Your Customer Service. It complements today's show. When Donald Miller interviewed Paul Salyers, 
the senior vice president of marketing for restaurant chain Chick-fil-A, there was something powerful that caught my attention as well. Paul said they work on the principle of creating raving fans. Raving fans come more often. Raving fans tell others. I don't know if you're familiar with that chicken restaurant chain, and if you haven't had their experience, then you might be questioning what I've shared and even how it applies to your personal or professional performance. Hey, did you catch what I said there? I didn't say if you haven't eaten or dined at their restaurant. What I said was, if you haven't had their experience. I'm trying to get you to turn this around in your head and realize you too have a brand, an image to uphold. And if you're regularly receiving negative feedback, concerning looks, or putting a poor taste in people's mouths, then I suggest you modify your behavior if you're interested in career growth and the potential for promotion. Again, you can apply this brand or image concept to both your personal and professional lives. Now, we live in Central Florida and happen to have a Chick-fil-A restaurant within a few miles. I can tell you, at least prior to COVID, I was a regular guest, even if I just dined in and had their unsweet tea. By the way, they offer free drink refills, but they've gone so far as to train their staff to say, may I refresh that beverage for you? They're just not topping it off or refilling it, they're refreshing it. Again, a different take. It goes to their experience. And many times when they close conversations with guests, they'll usually say, my pleasure. Not the typical, no problem, sure, okay, yeah, or worse yet, a non-response, just silence. They're trying to leave you with that last positive impression. Oh, there is something critical I almost forgot to mention. Regarding the interview with Paul Salyers, most businesses try to extract money from their customers. Chick-fil-A works on providing value. Let that sink in for a moment. They work on providing value. So how do we know all this stuff works and if it makes a difference? Let's check out their earnings. It's a pretty good indicator of their performance. Referencing a different book by Andy Andrews, The Little Things, he mentions that Sundays are the best sales days for restaurants. McDonald's doesn't take this lightly as they're open, but ironically, Chick-fil-A is closed. The average fast food franchise and chain restaurant each bring in about $800,000 a year in gross profit, with McDonald's coming in at a whopping $2.6 million. Hmm. But Chick-fil-A, it tops them all at $4 million. So my takeaway, it's not the nearly 24 hours of access that earn the most. It's not being open and working on Sundays. It's all about customer service, rather their customer experience that makes Chick-fil-A the winner. This episode wasn't meant to be a free promotion for Chick-fil-A, but I think it ties in nicely with today's topic. In closing, returning to that interview with Paul Salyers, he mentioned, 
Our customers are happy to pay full price. Wow. Today's episode is not all about the money, though compensation for our efforts is truly appreciated. It's about serving your customers well and providing more value than we attempt to extract. With today's story and tips, you can well be on your way to doing just that. I'll provide links to all the material mentioned in the show notes. We're on most major podcast players, and you can listen in on our website at craigansell.com. Before we go, I've got an exciting announcement. We're coming out with something new in late September that you don't want to miss out on. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you're the first to know, and we'd love to have you join our email list so we can stay in touch. You can click the link in the show notes or visit our website, craigansell.com forward slash email. You can use our contact page or reach out via social media such as LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Thanks for listening in. This has been Craig Ansell. You've been listening to the Career Growth Made Easy podcast, where we turn problems into potential and issues into opportunities. Please share us with a friend. We'll talk to you next week. Peace. Thank you.